Hello, this is Mike Harvath, President and CEO of Revenue Rocket Consulting Group, and this is another Shoot the Moon podcast for this first week of June 2021. Uh, as a reminder, Revenue Rocket is the premier M&A and growth strategy advisor to IT services companies worldwide. And here with me today are two of my partners, Ryan Barnett and Matt Lockhart. Ryan and Matt, welcome. Well, thanks, Mike. Hey. It's uh, it's a great day. We're into summer, but uh, it doesn't seem like the summer slowdown has happened here. We're, we came to we seem to be awfully busy. So good stuff. All good stuff. Today we're going to be talking about uh, readiness, buyer readiness to do an M and A deal, and what's involved with buyer readiness. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Ryan. Ryan has a few uh, thoughts on this topic, and uh, as we all do. And um, we'll see where this takes us. Yeah, thanks, Matt, and uh, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, this is a topic in which we we need to discuss kind of every day. And today, what we're going to talk about is we we see clients all the time that want to grow, and oftentimes they they look at their organic growth strategy and they start to put together a plan of where that can go. And you get to a point of Maybe it's 10 million or 15 million. That's really hard to get above and beyond that mark. Uh, so the fastest way to accelerate some of that growth is through uh, through a merger or through an acquisition. Uh, but before you can really come and get a deal done, you have to determine, you know, are you really ready to actually do a deal? And this is something that uh, I think buyers sometimes they, they perhaps jump into uh, a little bit too quickly. So uh, Matt and Mike, you both have seen a lot of deals. Uh, you've been through deals. Uh, you've been through kind of on, on both sides of the table on selling your company and, and buying them. Uh, today, I just want to listen and understand, um, think about readiness. You know, what kind of things do, does a, an owner and a management team need to do to, to buy a business? And I'd love to just start with uh, the strategy. What kind of mindset does someone have to be in and what should people start to think about of incorporating M&A as an overall strategy and, and identifying firms that might fit within within this uh, process? Yeah, I, you know, I'll jump in and, and start. I think, you know, you have to have your organic strategy dialed in to really do buy side effectively. Um, you know, I think we talk to people from time to time that, think their, you know, growth is flat and they may be flagging profitability and they think they can buy their way out of the problem. Uh, and that's not really the case. You really need to have a, a solid organic growth strategy in place, you know, operating the business well, top quartile of profit, ideally, and you need to have some access to capital. But I won't get too far ahead of myself here. I think we'll, you know, focus more on sort of your mindset and readiness. Beyond, you know, having your strategy dialed in, you have to sort of know what you're looking for, at least broadly. What does that ideal prospect, that ideal seller look like for you? How is it going to augment your strategy? How is it going to help you get to a place uh, together that you can't get apart? Um, and I think having some clarity around that certainly will help you execute better uh, as a buyer. Matt, you have some thoughts on this topic? Yeah, I mean, I think that you're right in line. I mean, I think that um, first and foremost is that organic growth strategy. 
right? Which is just, you know, part of the overall healthy strategy for the business. And, you know, on the flip side to that, that inorganic or acquisition strategy can't be, you know, like this secondary thought or not integrated with that organic growth strategy. It's really got to be integrated, you know. So, for example, you know, maybe existing markets are growing healthy and there's an opportunity to build upon that platform and extend your marketplace. And that's a primary goal for that acquisition strategy, just by an example. Uh, you know, the, as opposed to, okay, hey, you know, things are going good, but, you know, maybe we can, you know, grow our business a little bit more in an existing marketplace. And so let's, you know, let's kind of dip our toes in there. Well, obviously that's not going to be real healthy and it's going to be a distraction, you know, and on that point, you know, if it's not done in an integrated strategic fashion, it will be a distraction to the ongoing operations of the business. And so I think to your point, you know, Mike, it's, uh, it's sort of that combination of a collective overall organic and inorganic growth strategy. And, you know, obviously, Mike, you've, you've seen this for two decades that the most healthy businesses have that combined organic and inorganic growth strategy happening, you know, uh, all the time. Yeah, I would say certainly, you know, you're giving up, we've said for a long time, you're giving up about 50% of your growth potential by not having an active buy side initiative going on in your business if you're sort of a growth-minded, growth culture type business. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen that, you know, prove out. And I think if you know where the gaps, um, <clears throat> or I should say more accurately, the complementary areas are in your strategy, kind of what you need to scale and grow the business, uh, certainly you can be much more targeted uh, in your approach around M&A. Um, you know, and I think you also have to, as you think about readiness, you also have to be ready to take some risk. Um, M&A comes with risk. You know, we just had a transaction we completed in the last month where a client, um, you know, assumed that the sellers who were exiting the business would be around for up to 60 days to facilitate a smooth transition. And one of those sellers, um, due to a previous transaction that had occurred in the business where they sold off a different part of the business, had a conflict and had to exit within one week of close. And so, you know, that, that inserts some risk uh, in the trend, you know, in the integration process and then, you know, getting the business sort of up to speed. Thankfully there was some staff inside the business that are going to continue and, and provide continuity and certainly are helping with integration. But, you know, there's unforeseen things that may occur uh, that create risk. And so you got to be prepared to take not only the business risk, but also the financial risk um, and understand that, um, you know, depending on the size of the transaction, um, you know, there could be some uh, unforeseen outcomes, many of which will be positive outcomes, but certainly some that could be negative as well. That's it. Great insight, Mike and Matt. I think one of the takeaways here is have a strategy, uh, be consistent to that strategy. Uh, I recommend writing that strategy down and being able to articulate it to it. Uh, sellers are looking for that strategy, and if it's not articulated up front, 
it'll be hesitant to move forward in the process. And it's the clearest thing. It's it's better than the big bag of money. It's the it's the where its synergies come in place and and it really helps an advisor when they're out there trying to source that you're able to come and articulate that strategy clearly uh, to say this is hey this is much more than just a financial buyer. This is someone who's trying to grow through through the process and or, or buy um, in a way that uh, your firm fits. So it's uh, important to get that uh, done. So if I, if I move on from the strategy and we assume that we know why we're buying, Matt, who 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 should be involved in in the process from uh, from a from a standpoint? Um, you know, the CEO should be driving a charge, or perhaps a. Uh, as a, someone in the business development department, but who else on the team should be at the table? Yeah, I think we'll refer back to uh, this common principle that we talk about often, which is the three aspects of finding the appropriate fit. And, you know, and that's the cultural fit, the strategic fit, and the financial fit. And I think that it's really important to take a team mindset to demonstrating uh, the readiness of an acquiring company across all of those spectrums. And so, you know, who is the life and soul of a company? Oftentimes that is the CEO, right? And and the CEO can convey the cultural uh, strength of the acquiring organization, um, the care for people. Uh, demonstrated by their history, obviously the passion, you know, for the business. And, and oftentimes, you know, that is coming through the CEO. But if the CEO is the only person, you know, that is um, that is conveying all three of those fits, well, you know, then it, it, it may seem as though the organization itself isn't uh, behind the strategy. And so finding, you know, oftentimes it, it would be the CFO or somebody from the CFO's office to demonstrate the financial readiness. And maybe it is somebody from business development or either or sales or marketing that is talking about the overall strategy and how a potential, you know, acquisition target fits into that strategy. And you know, this can be conveyed in the in the mindset of a pitch team. And so we, you know, we recommend thinking about that because, you know, as you say, Ryan, it's not just bringing a pile of cash to the table that's going to win over um, a potential acquisition target. It's really conveying how all of these things fit into the strategy, but then also an organization and 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 the people within that organization are going to be a great fit, you know, by the acquiring company. Uh, you know, let's remember, we're talking about IT services companies. And, and what does that mean? These companies are the, the lifeblood of these companies are the people. Right. And so I think that that team mentality is is probably one of the biggest takeaways. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, building building that three-legged stool of strategy, cultural fit, and financial fit, you know, has to be first and foremost as you're thinking about how you approach this. And, you know, having tight strategy on the strategy side uh, will help that seller feel comfortable. Uh, being able to build sort of team focus will certainly help with cultural. And, 
you know, financial fit has to do with, you know, certainly our ability uh, as an advisor and helping companies uh, like yours uh, get to the right number and sort of meet in the middle and structure deals that make sense. So all of those things come together to, to help you guys be successful. It's not just about money and it's not just about desire to get deals done. You have to have all three legs of the stool. Yeah. Uh, on, on the people front, I, I will add that, that acquisitions can be a great way to bolster your team and your leadership team. So take this as a time to reflect on what you need for your leadership team going forward. Um, uh, sometimes a, in a, an outgoing CEO from a selling company can be a very strong business development leader or in, in the sales team or a marketing leader. So uh, look at how you can implement and how your team is going to be able to take on the task of the new team. It may mean a shuffling of your cards in your deck, your cards in the deck that you have uh, when new people are coming in. So uh, a great opportunity for everyone involved on the buy side. Yeah, I think, Ryan, you know, I'll jump in real quick. I think that you raise a really important point as it pertains to readiness, which is, you know, what is the opportunity uh, for the leadership of the of the acquiring company? And, um, you know, a lot of times these these owners see this, um, you know, the opportunity to be acquired as an opportunity to be part of a bigger and better and uh, organization to expand their skills, uh, to help uh, grow a larger organization. And so I think that that is a, a really key point that you bring out in, in that readiness, which is, you know, to put yourselves in the, in the shoes of the seller and how are you going to be attractive to, to that selling organization? Right. I'm um, going to switch gears a little bit here. Uh, when you're again thinking about readiness, and I'm going to go do a deal, Mike, what what does the financial performance need to look like? Uh, do do you have to be a certain revenue, or do you have to have a certain level of profitability in order to do a deal? Uh, just love your insight on financial. You know, where does someone need to be to say, let's hey, let's do something? Yeah, I think it's important to know that. You know, you can afford, we, we've always said that you, we think you can afford to buy a company that's about half your size. So, you know, that's an acceptable risk profile. Now, with that said, you know, we've certainly helped individuals acquire, you know, 10, 12, 13 million dollar businesses and they didn't have any revenue. So, you know, it just depends, I guess, on your risk tolerance. You know, we've certainly helped firms buy companies their same size. But you have to sort of keep that in mind, I think, as a general guiding principle that, you know, the safest bet is probably to buy a company about half your size, give or take. And that you're probably ready. We think you're ready as you're approaching about five million in revenue. Usually your business processes have pretty much stabilized at that point. Um, you have a consistent growth strategy in place. Uh, you should be able to find firms sort of in that two and a half to five million dollar range or above um and it helps uh you you know move forward i think if you're trying to buy companies that are smaller than two three million in revenue it gets much more challenging for a variety of reasons usually because those companies are less mature uh financially um and strategically it can make your job much tougher and so, you know, you need to understand the maturity of the target in general 
Now, it doesn't mean that all companies that are small in that size aren't financially mature. Certainly, there's plenty of firms that are, but we find pretty consistently that firms that are smaller than that size sometimes don't have a clear understanding of fair value, um, or they have a number stuck in their head that they want their company to be worth that just doesn't line up with reality. And so you're going to add some additional complications in your ability to execute on on deals smaller than that. So, you know, if that means that you need to be approaching, um, you know, between five and 10 million to get, you know, target companies that are upwards of, of three, four, five million at a minimum size, then, you know, that's what it means. I think we certainly see those types and sizes of transactions to be, uh, or larger to be much more easy to execute simply because of the financial maturity of the seller. Right, and and, and to, to emphasize that where we see success is that uh, I think for a reason that above five is a is a kind of a starting point. I would say that even when companies get in that ten million dollar range, the maturity there you're looking at companies that are uh, a little larger. The maturity helps everyone along the line. So it's a uh, if you're a million dollar firm trying to buy a another million dollar firm, expect it's something that is hard as a $100 million company buying a $50 million company. That's how big that the difference can be. So, and then just to roll into this, you're, if you're ready financially and you've gotten to perhaps a revenue goal that allows you to make a transaction happen, uh, what kind of funding do you need? or do you, What do you have to do from a, an access to funds? Do you need to find a banker? Do you need to find um, investors? Mike, tell us a little bit about where someone has to be if, uh, and when funding sources should come into play. Yeah, I mean, we like debt funding for M&A for a lot of reasons. It's uh, relatively inexpensive at this point. It's relatively easy to get um, if you have a relationship with your bank. And I would say that most small businesses don't have a very healthy relationship with their bank. Uh, they should. You know, we recommend that you send your bank financials every month, that you have regular communications with your banker so that when you need them, they understand the business, they understand the financial condition of the business, and they can help you. Where our clients that we've advised on M&A do that, uh, it makes getting a loan to do M&A a lot easier. Um, certainly, they can move more quickly. They get better terms. Uh, they're in a better position if they've made their bank part of the team versus a uh, adversary. But, uh, you know, a lot of people ask us about equity funding uh, for doing M&A. Uh, we think certainly that can be a source of funding, but you should realize that it's expensive, very expensive, because as you grow the business with a equity partner, essentially, who has purchased equity in your business and funded additional uh, been providing funding, that comes at a pretty material premium versus uh, debt funding. And so as long as you understand that perspective clearly and you know what it means ultimately to uh, your exit from the equity and ultimately where you've built value into the overall uh, business, um, then it's probably fine. But I would tell you that for most of our clients and most of our buy-side mandates that we work with our clients, we recommend debt financing. You know, that being said, Mike, it is interesting how much more um, how much more equity funding uh, 
as well as just interest and strategy is in this space now as compared to, you know, say even five years ago. Um, and we talk all the time about, you know, good equity partners and bad equity partners, right? And, and there are some, you know, there's some real good ones that are, you know, looking at a holistic, you know, growth strategy oftentimes incorporates a roll up strategy. And so, you know, those are, those can be great opportunities for, um, you know, acquisitive companies to, to really, you know, put, uh, put some gas on the fire, if you will, to their growth strategy because they got a, a partner in mind to do so versus that, you know, turn and burn, cut and slash kind of, uh, equity partner that's going to be pretty hard to, um, pretty hard to work with. I think the key word there is partner. <laughs> if you're just looking for funding, you know, from that equity route, as you say, can be very expensive and difficult. If you find a partner in that, you know, can be, a you know, a, a real opportunity. Sure. Uh, the last thing I'll add to that is that the fine, if from a financial funding perspective, expect the seller to have some due diligence on you. So it's if you especially if you're nearing that size in which it, your seller is the same size as you, the seller is going to want confidence, especially when it comes to anything that involves an earnout. So expect reciprocal due diligence uh, and, and show uh, where the money's coming from. It's an important thing that it will quell the fears of a, uh, a seller. And um, I'll, I'll, this will be the last question here for today. Um, and I'll throw it this way, but uh, what should a, from a readiness perspective, uh, how should a company plan for integration? You know, when they're kicking off a project, is, should they have an integration team in place? Or is it something that they should uh, figure out as the deal uh, progresses? Well, I think that um, having an integration or at least the uh, first draft or outline of the integration plan identified right out of the gate is um, is uh, very important. And in that integration plan is detailing out who the members, right, the execute, you know, the integration execution team members will be. Now, do those people need to be involved right out of the gate? No. They don't. Um, let's keep in mind that, you know, you've got to integrate this organic and inorganic growth strategy. And so if you've got too many people that are, you know, sort of drawn to, you know, this new process, this new um, buy side process, and they're super interested in it, and it's kind of cool, right? And they want to, right, they want to be involved and they want to be in all the meetings. Well, that's a natural distraction. However, identifying who the people are and having that first, at least first draft of the plan identified. And, you know, we help, you know, companies with this all the time. It's not, you know, recreating the wheel uh, is super important. You, it can't be an afterthought. It can't be something that is just in time because, you know, that'll show to a, um, to the selling company and, and it, again, it'll just be more of a distraction internally than necessary. Yeah, that's very helpful. Mike, I'll kick it over to you. Uh, and I should, I should note that 
in readiness, the other part to the team members and integration is that you need to have your advisors lined up. And that includes legal advisors, that includes accounting advisor, and that includes uh, companies like Revenue Rocket uh, that can help you uh, look and put you through the readiness. Uh, part of the first things that we do when we help company is provide evaluation on where they think, where we, where we think you can get a deal done at. Uh, we walk you through the steps of the of the process. We help you guide your strategy, and we help you guide the search. So, uh, um, Mike, what else can we help out with? And uh, and uh, feel free to wrap up uh, this uh, podcast. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. I, you know, I think you have to think about when you're assembling your team of advisors, you know, their level of experience of uh, in M and A in the space and IT services. Um, both for the accounting side, uh, legal side, and the advisory side. Uh, we certainly have plenty of generalists out there um, and not many specialists. And, and frankly, um, the market is um, complicated and nuanced enough that you really do need uh, specialists. And um, with that, I think we're going to tie a ribbon on it. Uh, we wish everyone a great week. And we look forward to uh, you tuning in to the next episode. Thanks.